So Advent is a time of preparation, preparation for the coming of Christ. As we mentioned last, last week, some people say that there's kind of three comings of Christ. Of course, the first one where Christ came in the flesh, and we're thinking about Jesus as a child, as a, as a baby coming uh, during Christmas time, of course, and that's why we celebrate it. We celebrate our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And then the other coming, of course, is his second coming. When it comes to return and, and to make everything right, you know, the Lord's kingdom is growing and it's building and it's, it's within us as well. It's within the church, but it'll be that time when things are brought to completion. And things with heaven and earth are brought together and made right. And then the third thing, of course, is this aspect of, of, of Christ coming to our hearts, meeting with Christ, if you will, on a daily basis. And so what we're looking at as we talk about in the sermon series, Preparing for Christmas, is what, it, what is it that has to happen? What is it that needs to change in our hearts and our lives for us to truly celebrate Christmas this year in all its fullness and truly meeting with the Lord? And so last week we talked about um, preparation for hope, if you will, and we talked about the preparation that takes place in, in this need for repentance and needs for our hearts to be turned back to Christ, our hearts to be focused on Him and not on other things, that, that He would be at the top, that He would be number one. And today we're talking about joy and, and really preparing for joy, and that's kind of an, an odd preparation to think about, I think. How many of you prepare to be joyful? You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. But I'm going to explain it a little bit, okay? I want you to think about this because my daughter Rachel and some friends are preparing for an amazing trip to Disney World, okay? Disney World this time of year, yes, it has to be incredible. It's got to be awesome. And so you could say kind of like today's Advent focus that she is preparing for joy, okay? She is preparing to be in probably one of the most joyful places you know, in the South anyway, okay, At, in Disney World, preparing for that joy, to experience the joy of Disney World, though, believe it or not, right, it still takes preparation. What kind of preparation, right? So there's, there's this, <coughs> there's this packing, you know, how, how many of you like to pack? It's not a fun thing for me, but there's this, <laughs> there's one weirdo in the crowd every time. <laughs> We've got to pack, if you're going to go and be joyful and you're going to really celebrate, you still have to take the time to stop and to pack. Packing has to be done. Planning on what route that you're going to go to get there, okay? We want to leave at this particular time so we miss the traffic. Diane and I are always talking about that because the holiday traffic, right, is nuts. The money that has to be saved if you're truly going to experience all this joy, right? The money that's saved up over the period of time to go ahead and go down there and to be ready to really celebrate. And she's even been planning for the family to help take care of our granddaughter, little Mally, okay, her first child. And so literally yesterday, we're doing the whole family bacon cookies thing and peanut butter balls and all that. And she is over there just typing up stuff. And so by the way, if, she, you know, for some reason she happens to, you know, swallow mouthwash, 
this is what you're supposed to do. And this is what, and there's this list of things, and we're thinking, how in the world would she be around mouthwash to begin with? But there's this list of preparation. And if she is going to be prepared for joy, if she's going to be prepared for the opportunity to really celebrate, you know, she wants to make sure the family's got things down. We got the list, the binder. Yes, if you are a Parks and Rec fan like Leslie Nope, you got the binders for everything, right? And so there's a preparation that goes into truly being able to celebrate, <clears throat> truly being able to be prepared for joy. So Advent, as we've mentioned, is a time for preparation. Preparation for the coming of Christ, a preparation for Christmas, in order again to celebrate fully what our Savior has done. Unfortunately, sometimes we have a gift of turning joy into misery. This is why we have to prepare for this joy. We can take something joyful and turn it into misery. You're like, what in the world are you talking about? Have you ever had an argument on vacation? It's never happened, right? Vacation's a time for peace and joy and relaxation. Sometimes those arguments could happen at the beginning of the week, and then it just seems like the whole vacation is ruined. You ever done that? You ever been responsible for that? Yeah, I have, in different ways, okay? You know, an argument at a vacation, an argument at a birthday party, and, and believe it or not, even Christmas. Have you ever had issues at Christmas time? You have to be prepared for joy. You have to be prepared for that because at Christmas time, which is supposed to be one of the most joyful occasions of the entire year, right? For some people, it's not that way. There are all kinds of issues that come up, it seems, at Christmas time. Christmas can be a time of great joy or a time for many of, of depression. Because when all the family gets together, you think, that's a great thing. It doesn't always work out that way, does it? You know? That's not always what we find. And so preparing for joy is something that we really need to talk about today. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2 this morning. God's about to deliver the most joy that this world has, has ever received. And I'm going to open it up here and keep it in front of me. And it should have it on the screens behind me as well. I just might use, just use a screen. How about that? And so Luke chapter 2, it says, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken out. As we read this, every year at Christmas time, what? We hear the same verses. Can you just clear the decks this morning? Put yourself during that time. Put yourself walking with Mary and Joseph. Think through what's happening. Don't let it just be same song, second verse, Okay. Let's look at it. So, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was a first census taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Now, just to give you an idea of this kind of thing, the Romans did this. This was of the entire world because the entire world basically was what the Romans had conquered at this time. And they did a census for one reason. <coughs> Taxes. If you know how many people are there, you know how much money you're supposed to be getting. This was the reason for it. For the Jews, it was particularly irritating and bothersome because it was against what the Lord had told them. They weren't to take censuses. 
There was this aspect of trusting in the Lord for their needs. And so they were being forced into something that the Romans had placed on them. And so the whole inhabited earth is going to be counted for the Romans to acquire more money, which apparently was already as burdensome as, for taxes as you, as you could imagine. So they are going home, it says. Everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. They are on a journey that literally could have taken approximately two weeks of walking Mary with baby. Even we have the picture of her riding on a colt or a donkey. I'm sure there were times that she was, but the entire trip, no matter whether you were walking or riding and bouncing around in some colt and donkey, would not have been a comfortable thing. I can't speak from personal experience, as I've never been pregnant nor able to be. But ladies, I'm sure, right? This was not something comfortable. And so they're heading back to home to get counted. And it says, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. Right now? And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and, and laid him in a manger, <coughs> hashtag feeding trough, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great what? joy. Let's say that again. I bring you good news of great joy, thank you, which will be for all the people for today. In the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby in the midst of the chaos of the census, okay? Wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. <clears throat> and when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and, and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it, wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. There's some things that we need to learn this morning if we're going to be people that are prepared for joy people that are prepared for Christmas, for all its fullness, prepared for the coming of Christ. And I want to give you four things today that we need to learn and give you some scripture that goes alongside. <clears throat> Number one is that we need to learn to trust God 
in circumstance. Our joy, and you see this in Scripture, it's taught is not dependent upon our circumstance. Whether things are good, whether things are bad in our perspective, the joy that we receive from God is not affected by circumstance. Whether it's raining outside or it's snowing or it's sunny or whatever it is, does not affect our joy. The things and the chaos that can be going around us in our family does not affect our joy because literally the joy of Christ God himself is a thing that holds all things together, much like he holds the universe together. Our joy, we need to understand and learn to trust God in our circumstances. I want you to think about this, the preparation that goes into having a child. We've seen this up close lately because of our grandchild, Mally. But, you know, there's all this preparation, right? What do you, what do you get when you're pregnant? You know, you get that book that says, can you say it with me, ladies? What to expect when you're expecting, like this is the textbook. You can hear him saying it out. Okay, that's the book. We want to know everything that's going to happen. And, and you know, in, in week three does this. And in week four, this is what's happening inside. And week five, and, you know, and all these kind of things are taking place. And we read about it, and we study, and we, and we go out, and we, we're, going to, we're going to have the baby at this hospital. Okay, and then we, we already know the people that are going to be there. We've got the, the bag that's packed. You know, we have every aspect prepared for, for this child's coming. And what happens with Mary? A good old Quirinius decides to go ahead and have a census, and everybody and the brother has got to go home to be counted. This isn't like, hey, throw your bags in the truck and we're, we're gone. <clears throat> Moving and traveling back then was a major issue, wasn't it? And so you can imagine the chaos. No one right now, if you live in Irma, of course, wants to go to Harbison right now. Harbison is a nightmare. Trying to cross the street is a nightmare. Trying to shop, which is why Amazon, I'm sure, right now in our household has been king, you know, because they deliver it to your doorstep. No one wants to be out in that chaos, but here's Mary and Joseph and traveling with a caravan of people to go back and to be counted for these stinking Romans that want to go ahead and get more money from us on top of what they're already taking. And while she's there in Harbison, if you will, all of a sudden it's time. Hey, Joseph, it's time for the baby to come. And there's so many people in Harbison, right? There's so many people around that there is literally no place to go. I remember Thanksgiving, Black Friday, like an idiot, I decided, sure, I'll go with the ladies and go shopping. I lasted five minutes until I ended up in a coffee shop just curled up in a ball to myself, where I was for two hours until I had the opportunity to even, well, we won't go there. So just craziness, right? Craziness. And so Mary finds herself in the middle of this circumstance. In the middle of this crowd, in the middle of this chaos, and, and Jesus comes right then. To the point that there's, there's no place for them to stay. And so the baby literally gets placed in what is a feeding trough. There's an area in houses in this time in, in Bethlehem where the, the people would live in this certain house. There was an upper room, which is really what they're referring to as the inn, if you go back to the original language. And outside kind of... Halfway out there, the animals would kind of come into this area, and there was literally a, a cement, or not cement, but a stone area where they would just dump feed for the animals. And that's 
where Jesus was laid. It's pretty incredible. There's so many things we could talk about. How could the God of the universe, the one who created everything, do things in this manner, in this particular way? There's something within Mary, this attitude that she had, that whatever God brought her way, she was good with it. She trusted God, and she's blessed for that as she goes and meets earlier. We talked about last week with, with her cousin, and she says, basically, blessed is the one who, who heard what God said and believed that it would come to pass. She was someone that believed, no matter the circumstances, that things were going to be okay. Not only did she know, believe in God's promise, but she's literally carrying around the Savior of the world. If there's anyone that can be comforted, right, carrying within her the Savior of the world, what an incredible testimony of trusting God and being joyful in the midst of any circumstance. There's some scripture that we find, <clears throat> one out of Proverbs, it says, trust in the Lord, right, of course, with all your heart. And do not lean on what? On your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. The things that we understand, the things we wrestle over when it comes to circumstances, we've got to trust in the Lord, our God. This is a really interesting bit of scripture with the disciples as well. There's a great story that came to mind or, or with Jesus in a boat. And they are really worried about some circumstances here. If you want to put up the next scripture for me, it says, um, On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind that the waves were breaking over the boat, so much that the boat was already filling up. They're, they're crossing the sea. They're in a boat with Jesus, and there's a major storm. It says that the boat was filling up, with water, and Jesus himself, it says, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, just taking a nap in the midst of what? In the midst of a storm. That's, that's <laughs> no matter the circumstances, Jesus sets the example, taking a nap in the middle of a storm. And everyone else is freaking out, and they say, they say this to him, they say, teacher, do you not care? They woke him up. Do you not care that we are perishing? Does Jesus care? And see, that's, that's the question that comes up in the circumstances that we face. Does he care? And Jesus responds this way, <coughs> excuse me, and he said, He got up and rebuked the wind and the sea. All of this, he just says, hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? When you're in the boat, no matter what are the storms that come, you're, you're with Jesus. As believers in Christ, we understand that and know that. As the Bible teaches in a mysterious way that we don't always quite grasp, but the Holy Spirit indwells us, lives within us, goes with us like Mary carrying Jesus around. In a way, we carry the Holy Spirit with us. The Bible teaches that. 
we have peace, we can have joy in the midst of any circumstance. And so in this story, as we think about, <coughs> we think about the players here, we've got Mary and Joseph, and, and then we also find out about these other guys, these shepherds. Shepherds taking, keeping watch, it says, over their, their flocks by night. Something interesting about shepherds as I was doing a little bit of study this past week is that the, the profession, we think of shepherds in kind of a, a pretty cool way reading Scripture all the time. There's a lot of shepherds in Scripture. But shepherds, the profession of shepherd wasn't necessarily the kind of profession that people held in high esteem. Shepherds were obviously always hanging out with animals, okay? They were withdrawn they were away from crowds and everybody else, leading around a bunch of sheep to the next patch of grass over and over and over. They missed out on a lot of social functions, okay, because the sheep needed what? Constant care. I can't just leave the sheep roaming around without a shepherd. And if you wanted to get a break, you know, you'd have to, they would have what they called the hirelings, right? You'd hire some person that would just be a kind of a temporary shepherd to come in and to take care of the sheep. You know, you're looking for those part-time shepherds, and you wonder how they, you know, they kind of advertise for these, for these guys. You know, who wants to be a part-time shepherd? That's like the lowest of the low kind of thing. But these guys are out there. They're in their, their fields by night keeping a watch over these sheep. <coughs> away from society, withdrawn, wandering around because of these sheep needing this constant care. And you wonder what people like that would have thought as far as joy is concerned, probably feeling like many times there are people that are forgotten. Nobody cares about them. What's really fascinating to me is, you know, the, we, we, hear, we read in scriptures that the Lord, that the angel Gabriel comes and talks to, to Mary, comes to, to Joseph in his, in his dreams, okay? But the announcement, the first announcement, of course, that we hear about, public announcement, if you will, is to these shepherds. These guys who are kind of looked down upon by, or they could have been because of their profession, not saying these particular group were, we don't really know but looked down upon by what they did, and God shows up to them and says, hey, look what's going on right now in Bethlehem. Shows up in the midst of where they are, withdrawn from everybody else. And then in the middle of that, after that announcement, it says that we, we have all of a sudden immediately the glory of all these angels, it's this heavenly host that just pops up and is singing glory to God in the highest. God displays this most amazing show for a bunch of shepherds. And how can we say, how can we think that God would ever forget about us? This preparation for joy, we need to learn to trust God in circumstance, and we need to learn to live like we are never forgotten. 
We need to learn to live and understand the faithfulness of God, the love that, that God has for us if we're truly going to be able to be joyful and to take in all that Christmas has to offer. Let's shotgun some verses for a minute, if you will. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is what? He's faithful. In Hebrews 13, 5, a great, great passage of Scripture, he says, For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever what? Nor will I ever forsake you. Do you really believe that? You ever feel alone? You ever feel lonely? You ever feel cast aside? You ever feel like it's just you and the sheep? You know? We have to trust what God says, trust the truth that we are never forgotten, that we are loved. A great passage of Scripture as well, one of my big-time favorites, comes from Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Romans 8. It's not in there? I can't believe you left that out, Justin. Well, I'm just going to pull it up. So Romans chapter 8. This is why you always have your Bible in front of you, too. I'm not cheating and using the digital Bible today. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. All right. So, Romans 8:35 is where we're starting. It says this: Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Well, tribulation in those circumstances, right? Distress, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Just as is written, for your sake we're being put to death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we're, we overwhelmingly conquer <clears throat> through him who loved us. And I love this. It's kind of where it brings it home. Oh, so you're going to... Is it up there now? Huh? All right, cool. <laughs> In verse 38, For I am convinced, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He lists all these things, and then I love where he says, and not even any other created thing. Is there anything that's not created that you can think of? Not even yourself can separate you from the love of Christ. That's an amazing promise. In preparing for joy, in preparing for Christmas, trust God in circumstance. Live like we are never forgotten. Live like we are, are truly loved. We need to learn those things. Here's number three, okay? I think one of the things that's, that's interesting to me one of the things we read when the announcement first comes to Mary is that the angel Gabriel says 
to actually he says to Joseph, excuse me, in a dream it says, he tells Mary to name him Jesus, but he says specifically to Joseph, you're going to name him Jesus because this is why. He will save his people from their sins. His name shall be Jesus. He will be Savior. He will be Messiah because his job, what he will do is to save people from their sins. <clears throat> One of the things that we need to learn as well as these other two things is patience for God's plan to be fulfilled. We need to learn patience. That's a really tough one for me. It's a really tough one for all of us in different ways, I'm sure. We need to learn and trust God and have patience for his plan to be fulfilled. You're going to name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Now, do we understand the amount of patience then that people must have had or had to consider when they're looking at this baby? <clears throat> How's this baby going to save us from our sins? You know we, know, we know the whole rest of the story. We know that Jesus began his ministry around 32, 33 years old and, and did all the things you read about in the Gospels and then what? Died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day. But they're looking at a baby. They're looking at a promise. What was going to take place Mary held in her hands, but it was still going to be another 30-some years before it was completed. When God promises you something when he says that he's with you and he'll never forsake you, that he's faithful, he is. But there's patience involved in the process. And even before the coming of Christ, we have scripture that takes place all the way back in Isaiah, years and years and years and years and years, even before his coming. See, God's timeline is not our timeline. We have to have patience. We need to learn that patience that God is working, that God is moving. God doesn't obey the snapping of our fingers. God doesn't ask us often, if, if ever, we have to look up the scripture for this to be precise, our opinion. Because he's, you know, he's perfect. He knows what's best. He can see past, present, and future. He knows everything. If we're going to be prepared for joy, we need to learn to trust God in circumstance, learn to live like we're never forgotten, learn patience for his plan to be fulfilled. Here's where we're wrapping things up. <coughs> One of the things that's, I know I probably just skipped a bunch of scripture, guys, but just follow with me if I jump to it here. One of the things we find in the end of, of Luke chapter 2 is this. I'm going to turn there real quick. All this amazing stuff is happening. Mary ends up giving birth and laying Jesus in, in his feeding trough and and you know, later on we read about the coming of the wise men and all this kind of stuff that's within a two-year period and they're, that they're in Bethlehem. The shepherds, those typically the forgotten people, God shows up to them in this most miraculous way and they say, hey, let's go check this out. You know, we got to see this. And so they come 
and they check it out. Mary, who has, has just given birth to this child, is considering and thinking about all these things. It's been a whirlwind, I'm sure, that's been going through her mind. The angel Gabriel shows up and says, this baby is going to be Jesus, the Savior of the world. Joseph confirms that he's having dreams and angels showing up to him. And now, of the least expected people, all of a sudden a bunch of shepherds come wandering in in the midst of a census and find her with Jesus. And it says at the, at the end here of what we've been looking at in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, it says about Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as they had been told. But she is pondering these things. She treasures these things and ponders them in her heart. <clears throat> She's thinking about all that God has done. She's thinking about all that God is going to do with the Messiah who she is holding in her hands, who is going to grow up in the age of 33 to so begin this ministry and all these things. She really doesn't, she doesn't know all that yet. We're looking back. But she knows, according to what the angel told her, according to what Joseph told her, shepherds showing up, all these things, she is just pondering the amazement of what God has done and is going to do. There's something that we need to learn from this example, I believe, is that we need to learn how to treasure and how to ponder the right things. Learning to treasure and to ponder the right things makes a huge difference in our joy. Even if something happens in the midst of that vacation and there's an argument with you and the wife or you and the kids or you and the, you know, the whatever, there's so many different ways we can screw things up or things can be, quote, screwed up. And we had something to do with, we didn't have something to do with, whatever, that circumstance is there. Those things get moved past by pondering greater things, by pondering the power of God who is doing the miraculous right in front of us. We need to learn to treasure and to ponder the right things. It says in Romans, or excuse me, in Philippians, <coughs> excuse me, 4.8. Can you find that towards the bottom, Justin? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. I'm going to turn there just in case you can't find it. I've got a ton of scripture I overwhelmed these guys with today. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The original language, if you look at the notes in your Bible, if you've got a reference Bible like I do, also uses another interesting word instead of dwell. That's the word ponder. 
ponder these things. Things that we think about make a huge difference. In fact, I believe the battlefield, if you will, of our spirituality takes place right here. So much that we face, so much we consider that just goes through our minds. And learning to ponder the things of Christ is so much more powerful. It's so important rather than pondering, pondering the things that, we, that don't belong. You know, we ponder things, I'm worried about this. We ponder it. It goes over and over and over like a bad cycle through our minds. <clears throat> I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid this will happen. Ponder, we ponder. And maybe it's not, maybe it's a little benign even, but rather than filling our space with the other things we should be pondering, we're, we're pondering, I wonder what will happen in the next Stranger Things episode. If you watch that, you know what I'm talking about. There's a couple people laughing. I wonder what's going to happen in the next episode of this or this TV show, you know, I wonder what's going to happen next year. I wonder what's going to happen in the Super Bowl. And we think about these kinds of things. And our mind is covered with those things. And it's covered with worries. And it's covered with fears. And that's the stuff that cycles over and over and over. But what we find in Philippians is this need to finally, brethren, whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute, excellence, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. He says this right after our favorite verse, in mine at least, as far as what is it that takes away the stress? He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If you do that, it says, The peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. All understanding. You have no idea why in the world somehow you could have peace in the midst of this chaos. You have peace that surpasses all comprehension. And it says that that peace after that time in prayer is what guards your heart and your mind. The peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, if you take it to God in prayer with thanksgiving. That thanksgiving is really the aspect of faith that says, yes, whew, I'm thankful, God, that you've got this. You're in control. What we think about matters. I'm going to read one, one other passage of Scripture to you. Romans 12, 1 and 2. <clears throat> Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. You see, really it boils down to giving God everything. Okay, And he says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove with the will of God that which is good and acceptable 
and perfect. This, this pondering, if you will, on the right things, Scripture, what the Lord has done, is we need this renewal process. We need to be reprogrammed, if you will. We're afraid of these things. We're worried about these things. And, and the world says these things. But then there's this, but God says this. And God will do this. And we ponder those things. The, thing, the way our mind works, the way we think changes. And there's real transformation that takes place in our lives. One of the things I've really been praying for is for God to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And in Galatians, this is our final verse, and I'll, I'll, I'll pray for us here. We read what the fruit of the Spirit is. Prior to hearing that, though, it says that you have a couple options. You either walk in the flesh which is kind of the over there side we're talking about, pondering the wrong things, which leads to doing the wrong things, where you walk in the Spirit. And a life walking in the Spirit is where we truly find that peace and that joy. I want you to think through this for a second. <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit, you, you probably got to memorize. If you do, just try not to just recite it with me for a moment and think, what, what does this feel like if this is in your life. The fruit of the Spirit means these things are exhibited. They're showing up in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is this. It's, it's love. It's joy we've been talking about. It's peace. Just hang on that one for a while. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. As I say those words, take them into your heart for a minute. You know what it feels like to have love? You know what it feels like to have joy? You know what it feels like to have peace? Maybe some of those things you're not feeling right now, but I want you to, to take it in. Feel, if you can feel and know all these things at the same time as we go through this list, it's, just try to take it into your heart for a minute. Love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Here's a great word, gentleness. And self-control. Some of those, if we take them out of the context of the other things, they're, 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 they're harder to take. Like, you know, let's, let's say we focus on patience and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is all this stuff together. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control all at once if the spirit of God if you truly allow the spirit of God to fill your life imagine all those things on a daily basis at one time with your interactions with your family with your interactions with your co-workers and people and public and, and all that can you imagine living 
that kind of life. That's the joy, that's the fullness that God promises us. I really, truly hope that you'll be prepared for joy. Get the, get the packing done. Get the money saved. Get the, get the route in place. When you think about Christmas this year, don't let it be just another holiday. Don't let it be just another Christmas. Truly prepare for that joy that God gives. Will you stand with me? One of the things that <coughs> we're going to do in closing is we're going to sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. As I said at the beginning, we talked about three comings of Christ, the coming of Christ as a child, the second coming of Christ, and the daily coming of Christ. And though we walk with the Spirit, there's still this expectation on a daily boat basis, moment by moment, that God says, come and meet with me. Now, I know what you're, you're facing this morning, what you're going through. We're a pretty tight-knit church, a pretty close group of people. But even among that, there are still things that happen that go on that, that you, you don't always share with each other. This morning, what I want you to do is just take some time just to share that with the Lord. Meet with Him in this moment. As, as we sing this together, I'm just going to ask you for, actually first, just to bow your heads for a second just to kind of provide some space. Just, let's just meet with the Lord for a little bit. There are some things you need to, circumstance stuff, you need to say, Lord, here, can't carry this anymore. Maybe you feel alone in some ways. You say, Lord, I, I, I need to be reminded of your presence. Maybe there's just fears and, and stress or things that are just filling your brain. You're just thinking and pondering all the wrong things. Just ask the Lord, Lord, help me to ponder the right things. to have joy. Lord, we pray that you would prepare our hearts and our minds to truly celebrate you. Lord, we give you our, our fears and our worries, the circumstances that we face. Lord, we give you our very hearts and our minds this morning. Lord, let us be able to, to be joyful and to serve you, Lord, in, in all the fullness of your spirit, Lord. Lord, may the fruit of the Spirit we talked about earlier, Lord, just shine forth in our lives, Lord. Lord we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Let's sing together.